Okay, the podcast is back after quite a hiatus. Um, and uh, I decided to jump in on a topic I know that's on everybody's minds. Um, I'm welcoming Dr. Jamie Hirsch. Jamie, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dr. Hirsch is a nephrologist at Northwell Health. Um, he's a director of data science and predictive analytics. He's also an assistant professor at Hofstra Northwell School of Medicine and the Institute of Clinical Outcomes Research. Uh, we so appreciate your time. I know that you're very busy uh, with everything that's been going on. Uh, Dr. Hirsch is on our volunteer uh, medical doctor team that advises Yeshiva Hartora. Um, and we appreciate all of his volunteer work in that regard and for guiding us. And then I guess Dr. Hirsch's claim to fame is those charts, those beautiful charts that have been coming out with the Yeshiva Hartora letters. Um, Dr. Hirsch has, has created those for us, has sent those to us. So let, why don't we start there, doctor? Why don't you tell sure. us about the charts? Sure, I hope some people understand them, but uh, I'm happy to walk through them a little bit and explain them. So this is something that, um, that I started doing for, for several communities um, and it's something that we've been examining very closely at Northwell. So, you know, where I work, it's it's a 23 hospital health system, um, and we were deep, we've been deep in COVID and working with COVID since the very beginning, uh, back in March. Um, and tracking uh, the the community spread has been really important for us at the health system to do proper management and proper planning, uh, you know, and, and to figure out what's safe and to really kind of balance the risks um, in, in the health system, in our uh, ambulatory practices, you know, in our office patients, as well as the hospitals. And specifically for, for Hartora, one of the things that, you know, we decided to look at is to say, you know, we have, um, we have a, a large, uh, thank God we have a large community um, from many, many different areas of, of of New York, Nassau County, and Queens, many different zip codes, and we wanted to start to start looking at um, at what this what the uh, percent of positivity for coronavirus was uh, in in all the zip codes that serve the Hartora community, and we looked at it actually two different ways. One was the percent positivity, which is on a given day out of every hundred tests that are run in that zip code, how many tests are returning positive for coronavirus. Um, and that gives us a sense of the burden of, in each in each area. Um, and then the other thing we looked at is um, how many, you know, what's the in, on a population level in each zip code, what's the case level? How many patients are there, um, or how many people are there with that have coronavirus? And it's it, it's two different ways of looking at the data that are very complementary to one another. And what it really does allow us to see is to track over time to see what's happening in all the communities. And it allows us to understand the risks in the communities and to see um, what's happening. And so, you know, early on over the summer, for example, um, the numbers were extremely low. We were talking about positive rates of 1% or less, meaning out of every 100 people that were getting tested, only one person was testing positive for coronavirus over the summer. And we had fewer than 10 people per 100,000. So it's a very, very, you know, in each zip code in, in that served the Hartara community. So it's a very low number. And I think most of us probably felt that way over the summer that it was kind of felt a little freer, right? People, kids were going to camp. It felt great. Um, there's a lot less worry, I think. Um, you know, early on in the fall, we started seeing the numbers go up a little bit. Um, and in particular, in a couple of hotspots in some of the zip codes, um, and I think that if you look at the charts most recently, the number, you know, the, the colors are getting brighter um, as, yeah. <laughs> as, as, the, as, the months, as the months move on. Um, and that's really indicative of what we're seeing is that it's no longer confined to a few communities. It kind of is becoming a much more widespread. Um, and instead of seeing percent positivity for the Hartora community, as well as, you know, for Nassau and Queens of, you know, one, two, even 3%, we're seeing it 
you know, six, eight, and upwards of 10%, uh, which is a, a much, much higher than, than it was over the summer. And, and that's just indicative of the, the potential for risk and the way that we need to kind of think about how we approach uh, decision making. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. How should, sure. how should this data, these graphs impact our, da- our decision making? Yes, absolutely. So I think when we think about, you know, during these very complicated times during this pandemic, I think, you know, we, we have to think that you know, every decision we make obviously can have an impact. And we have to think that when you want to, you have to find that balance where you, there are certain things that we really are really, really important that we want to maintain. Um, but you have to kind of balance that with um, making sure that we reduce risk in other places. So if we're going to increase our risk or potentially take on certain risks in some places, we'll have to manage that by reducing risk somewhere else. And so like a good example, I think that everyone uh, listening can appreciate is that um, we all want to have in-person education this year. And, you know, we've, you know, and, and that, that's been a big push for, for Hartor and for many of the other Yeshivot. Um, and I think, first of all, the data has borne out internationally that in-school spread is very, very rare. Um, but I also think that the schools in Hartor in particular has done an excellent job to, to mitigate that risk even further. Um, but, you know, sending kids on buses, having them spend time with their classmates, going to school, that does increase the risk. So that means you have to look at other parts of your life. Where can you balance that and reduce the risk? So thinking about things like indoor dining or large gatherings or even gatherings amongst friends indoors, um, that will increase the risk. And, you're, and, and, if you comp- and if you keep adding on these areas of risk, so indoor dining, plus having friends over, plus going to a wedding or you, no matter how small it is, plus sending your kids to school, that's, it, 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 it's additive and, and, and the risk goes up. And so you have to find a way to balance all of those risks and to lower risks in some parts of your life to maintain things that are really, really crucial, like in-person education. And I think in particular right now, it's, you know, as the numbers in the, in the community are going up, um, and as we're seeing these, these numbers go up, it means that the school has to think about, uh, cha- you know, changes to policies or decision-making um, that reflects the risk that we're seeing in the community. Um, and I know there's been a lot more discussion around testing and changing quarantines and things like that, and that's reflective of changing risks. Um, but I think also for the families in the community, we also need to start. We need to think about well, you know, it's not the summertime anymore when the, when the percent was one when it was down to one percent. We're up to eight percent or ten percent, and that means that even more casual interactions that feel safe because everyone feels okay um, can potentially increase your risk. And you need to think about ways to, to, to put up uh, guardrails around that and to make sure that you take necessary precautions and to, to try to minimize those risks. I appreciate you saying that. Just, you know, Rabbi Michelle and I do field a lot of questions. And um, sometimes in the back of my mind, you know, I'm thinking of like that boat analogy, you know, where someone says, I'm going to put a, a hole in my room in our boat. And it kind of obviously sinks the whole boat because it's not your own room alone. And I, I sometimes, you know, think to myself, you know, people want to, I understand people are, you know, stuck inside and it's hard, especially with kids. Um, but sometimes, you know, decision-making, weighing, going to a restaurant and then having to possibly close a class because an infection happened there. I, I, to me, it's, it's difficult, um, you know, on the school's end when we have to navigate that. So I, I appreciate that message. You know, we have winter break coming up and, uh, getting a lot of questions about what's safe, uh, what activities can we do? What What do you recommend, Doctor? Sure. Um, so it's uh, it's obviously the whole year has been it's been it's been a challenging year, and I think a lot of people are antsy to to get up and go somewhere. Um, many of us have felt and have been feeling cooped up. We've none of many of us have not traveled this year. Um, I, I feel that, and I, I feel the same way. Um, so it is certainly um, we all have that itch. Um, but I also look at it as as you know 
thank God and please God, all of us will have many, many, many more years to go. Um, and so this is kind of, this is the year where it's, it's going to be tough and it's going to be difficult. And I think we can't deny that. I think, you know, we have to, I think we all understand that it's a really challenging year, but it's also the year to kind of slow down a little bit and to take us, you know, to kind of, to avoid putting yourself in those situations where you're going to increase risk. Again, not, you know, like like you're saying, not just, not just for yourself, but for others as well. It's really important. You know, this is a respiratory illness that, you know, it, it spreads really easily. Um, and, and things that you do for you or for your family have potentially very widespread impact. Um, and, you know, travel is wonderful and travel is great. Um, but a lot of travel is, is not as safe as it, it has been in years past and it, but, and it will be safe again, you know, and it will be wonderful again. And all of those places that we, all of us want to travel to, you know, all the other 49 states will still be there in a year or two years. And uh, the Florida beaches will still be lovely for those that like the beaches. Personally, I do not, but for those that do, um, <laughs> but there are a lot of things you can do even locally um, that are just a car ride away. Um, you know, many of us are, especially adults are a little loath to go outside in the winter, although kids actually are remarkably resilient and yes. they will be fine. Um, my kids often run out without jackets on and I get, I get stares at, but I think that, but they're fine, but you know, um, skiing, uh, for those people that like it, there's a lot of, you know, you know, nice mountains in the New York area. Um, it's not the same as out West. It's not the same as Vermont, but it's, you know, they're, they're good mountains and, you know, skiing and other outdoor activities, um, are relatively safe. And again, it's, it's, it's understanding that, you know, it's, it's the same, messages that started from the very beginning of coronavirus that are still the same today. It's, you know, masks, it's as much outdoors as possible because it's good ventilation. So, you know, put on a few layers, bundle up, buy some long johns and you'll be fine. There's some great hikes on Long Island. I, um, if anyone emails me, I'm, I'll be happy to uh, <laughs> uh, direct you there. Um, Dr. Hirsch, you're, you're seeing this as a doctor, but you're also, you have a family, you have small children. Um, and I hear from your recommendations that you, you understand some of the difficulties, um, just some topics that have come up for our families. Maybe you could, could help us with is, um, you know, how to quarantine when you have small children. And then, you know, there has been some families have mentioned to me like a stigma attached, like their child is, uh, doesn't want to return to school if they tested positive because they're worried that their classmates found out about it and they're embarrassed. So, you know, what, what, what's your experience been and, and what advice do you have for us about that? Yeah, it's a really a good question. Person. Yes, of course, of course. Um, so first of all, I wanna say that like, you know, this, the concept of stigmatizing illness is, you know, it's unfortunately uh, throughout the history of, of medicine um, and, and, you know, and especially when it comes to infectious diseases, um, oftentimes people are marginalized and they're stigmatized um, and they're blamed. Um, you know, we see it a lot with, you know, with, with uh, substance abuse. And it's, it, these are such complicated things. Um, and so many of them are beyond the control of, of a single individual. And so the first thing to say is that, like, you know, when it comes to something like coronavirus, which is, again, this particular strain of coronavirus, of coronavirus that causes COVID, um, it's really good at, at jumping from person to person, right? That's how it became a worldwide pandemic. And, uh, you know, even with all, and, and this is why it's so important to take multiple layers of protection, because no, there's no protection that will be perfectly stopping you. I guess if you lock yourself in your house and don't let anyone in, I guess that might do it. But barring that, it's really hard to have absolute protection. Um, and again, that's another reason why we all have to kind of look out for each other. 
but many people are getting coronavirus and they have no idea how they got exposed to it. And they're taking all the precautions in the world, but there are some parts of their life they still have to, they still have to live. They have to get out of their house a little bit. You can't be cooped up from nine months. So it is about balancing that, those risks, getting back to that. But it's also about recognizing that this is, you know, a worldwide pandemic that millions of people have got, you know, have gotten infected with. Um, and it's, it's not something that we should be stigmatizing. We, sh- we should not be casting aspersions or blame. Um, we should just make sure that people who get it are all right and check in with them and say, hey, is there anything we can do and help you out? You know, I know you're in quarantine. We can drop something off. We can send your, your kids um, some toys to play with. You know, we can do, you know, th- you know, kids can FaceTime each other and check in and we can totally normalize it. This is, you know, it's an illness and people will get over it. And, you know, and, and you know, thankfully kids especially, they, they do quite well. Um, it, but it, but certainly it is, it is a challenge and, you know, the whole, you know, Ms. Kosana, getting back to your question about like quarantining and that whole process is very, very challenging. And, you know, um, we've been, we we're kind of at the tail end of, of, a, of a interesting experience where for a brief moment, we had all three of our kids at home. Um, you know, uh, so we have Leo who's in a twos program, um, had an in-class exposure and Harry, who's in first grade, had an in-class exposure. Um, and then Eleanor woke up with a headache one day. And, you know, I don't know if she was just feeling left out that she didn't have an exposure or if she truly had a headache. <laughs> but, you know, to get everyone home and everyone is, you know, and, and so we had to get everyone, you know, we, we decided to get everyone tested. Well, we need to get Eleanor tested to get, get her back to school. But, you know, Harry and, and Leo had to, they were, they were in quarantine for now, now for 10 days, you know, for the, 10, the, new, the new policy for 10 days. Um, but it's really challenging. It's a two-year-old and a six-year-old. And how do you, and how do, you do that? Um, so, um, and it's really not easy. It's, uh, it's really, really challenging. And it's pretty, and, and look, I, I feel it's terrible. It's a, it's a really hard experience, but we, we all masked up, obviously the two-year-old did not, but, you know, and it feels weird to everyone be wearing masks in the house, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but again, masks, they work and they're really good. Um, so the things, it's, it's the same, you know, the same recommendations that we, throughout this pandemic, right? Put on masks, um, get good ventilation and get airflow. We cracked windows around the house. It was a little chillier. We put on sweatshirts and drank some tea. Um, we did not eat together, um, which is a little sad on Shabbat. You know, you can't have Shabbat, you know, we didn't have Shabbat, you know, together. Um, we did shifts and, you know, and, uh, um, you know, each part, everyone ate by themselves. Cause again, one, if you're, if you're eating, then your masks are off and that's a time when, when you can spread. And the whole idea of quarantining after an exposure is that, that the person who has to quarantine may have been exposed and may ultimately come down with it. And so you want to take precautions thinking that they potentially could have it and could get the rest of the family sick. And that's why that, so the quarantining at home when everyone is on top of each other, doesn't really work. And it's really, and, and again, you know, it's impossible to be perfect, you know, especially with like a two or a three-year-old, um, but you do your best, a lot of Purell masks, whoever can wear masks, um, take mask breaks outside, um, eat meals separately. Um, and then realize like, it's, it's a really terrible 10 days, but then it's 10 days and then it's over. Um, and you know, life, life goes on and we will get through this. Right. No, it, it's certainly, it's certainly difficult. Those, the recommendations to also open the window masks, those are excellent recommendations. Uh, just as a mom who had a, a 16 year old quarantine twice from school Ugh. from his school exposure um their teens are a little happier to quarantine they, <laughs> they, don't mind being alone. they, they want to go into their room anyway and be on their devices and it's like you know what do it uh go, <laughs> go be on your device <laughs> you know you have to drag them out for dinner as it is so um but with little children um i you know i appreciate those recommendations and we do get a lot of questions from families like what do you mean like six what do you want me to do so those are very practical um, Thank you. So I guess, you know, the next question that I have for you, I 
A lot of people are talking about the vaccine. Um, should they take it? Who's taking it? How fast can we get it? You know, different different conversations going on about it. What what uh, what thoughts can you share with us? And did you take your vaccine? So um, I did get my vaccine, but although if you don't have a selfie these days, I guess there's no proof of it. So yeah, so we don't know uh, that it really happened. I know. But uh, but I'm due for my second dose later this week, so I'm, okay. which I'm very excited. I'll put it on the Heart Torah page that we're keeping. I'll make sure I'll make sure to take a selfie this time around. Thank you. Um, so I, I actually I'm also getting a lot of questions from friends about like you know when can they? Many of my friends are asking when when can they get it? Um, and I'm sure everyone's seen the news. It's a bit of unfortunately a bit of a mess, but it will come soon enough. Um, that is a guarantee. You know, it may take longer than any of us any of us want, but it will, will come there. Um, and so. My recommendation in terms of, you know, when the vaccine will come, no, I don't exactly know, depending on your tier, there's a lot of factors to consider, but it'll come around and uh, my recommendation would be to take it. Now, I, I, and I'm fully on board. I think it's an, ama- it's, it's an amazing feat of science. And, you know, Ms. Platonic, you and I were, were chatting briefly before this about, you know, uh, you know, there's always this concern about vaccines. Is it safe? You know, can I trust it? This, you know, that whole thing. And, and um, you know, the, this the vaccines that are coming out the ones that are currently available one is from pfizer one is from moderna um they have you know it's really amazing people talk about how fast they were developed but it's actually built on years worth of of science and and rigor and study um to prove that the, the concept of this technology can really work um and i have to say I, you know i i watched the 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 fda advisory council approval which was a tedious eight-hour meeting but i was like on the edge of my seat i was like super excited um and when they, when they voted to approve it it was like this like you know this amazing feeling like this is this is our exit strategy right um and and i'll admit that before they before the approval happened like earlier this year when they were talking about studying these mrna vaccines anytime you mention mrna or dna or anything like that people kind of get like a little antsy because like oh what does that mean you're messing with my genes um and i kind of back of my head in the back of my head, I had this thought, like, is something weird going to happen to me if I get this vaccine? Um, but, um, but no, I have not grown a third arm yet, maybe, maybe <laughs> in a few months and, you know, but, um, but I have to say, I think what we've seen after, you know, first of all, from the trials, 60,000 people got it. And now over a million people got it. Um, the short-term safety is very, very clear. Um, the short-term efficacy is amazing. Um, and to be very honest, like this is the only way out of this, uh, you know, and I think there's no reason to believe that there's going to be long-term side effects. Um, most vaccines um, have side effects in the first couple of months at most, um, and long-term safety and efficacy of vaccines have been proven time and again. Um, and this is when everyone gets vaccinated or enough people get vaccinated, then we'll be able to put this this very difficult period behind us. And I think that's what's really that's really exciting. And that's why we have science and that's why we have medicine, because it gets us through these these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, OK, I guess my last question for you. Um, did anything surprise you? I, I know us lay people, this whole thing was a huge surprise, but, you know, as a as a doctor who who's you know follow has followed other pandemics other other diseases did did anything about this covid-19 and the way it unfolded here did it surprise you that's a very good question um, <laughs> it's a big question <laughs> yeah um, well i think it's like a little bit embarrassingly if i have to admit it i think a few people know this i i was like i it a little bit early on i was like oh it's a you know this thing going on you know, 
in China. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to worry about it. I had a couple of friends like, no, this is going to be a really big deal. I was like, I don't know. So I guess I feel, you know, that, that kind of surprised me. Um, I should probably should have known better. Um, but I think this, pen, I mean, this level of a pandemic is, is new for everyone from the most experienced epidemiologists, virologists, and public health professionals, you know, to every elite person in the world, right? This is something beyond the scope of anything that any of us have seen. Um, but, and what I think was in some ways amazing about it was um, from, the, from the scientific side of things, you know, how fast we've moved, right? And in, one, in, le in less than a year, we discovered a new, vi a, new, uh, a new virus. We figured out what, you know, we were able to decode its genome. We were able to create vaccines. We were able to figure out um, how best to treat it. We were able to come up with better therapies. Um, and it, just to, even to prove to you, the, the, the more, the, the, in the hospitals, you know, over the last nine months, you know, we've cut the hospital mortality rate, the death rate in the hospital by two thirds over, you know, in, in the New York hospitals over the last nine months. And that's from better therapies, a better understanding of, of the disease. Um, and it's like, it's unheard of the pace of how things move. So that was like, you know, in many ways from the scientific standpoint, like, you know, shocking and, but also unbelievable and amusing. Um, I also think that, you know, we, we talk a lot about, um, about, fatigue and people are kind of tired of this vaccine of this sorry of the pandemic and i think all of us are feeling kind of burnt out from it and, um and what it what and how it kind of has upended our lives um but i also think you know people are really resilient um and people we do get used to things um whether or not we want to admit it um and people have figured out ways to do things really safely you know people, we, you know we invested this you know this year in we had a little pool, you know backyard pool blow up pool that we bought and then we bought some outdoor heaters for the winter um and we do all these sorts of crazy things that we never would have thought i made fun of my wife when she bought all this stuff and she was brilliant because yeah. you know, it all you know it was Maybe, probably <laughs> um but you know and and i think that you know i think for the most part you know we're all have to realize that like you know we're in this together you know we impact each other um and we can, we have to get through this together. And so it has to, it, it really is in some ways, you know, it can bring out, it can bring out the worst in people, but can also bring out the absolute best in people looking out for each other, taking care of each other. As I said, you know, I know a lot of people that have been like sending gifts or calling people when they're, you know, in quarantine, um, they're, you know, early on, especially when during the lockdown, people were running errands for older people who couldn't leave their apartments. Like the community comes together and it's really an amazing thing to see, despite the fact, especially early on when everyone was really scared and even, even all of us were scared. No one knew what was going on. Um, but people would put themselves out there and help out where it was needed. Um, and I think that's a wonderful thing and a wonderful trait. That's true. A hundred percent. And I, I can say just on the school end, um, there's been a, like a lot of nervousness that we've been fielding from parents and, um, the teachers have been having a very stressful time running school under the circumstances. But I have to say that the children have been so happy to be in school. I, I think the children are going to be okay. That's my sense um, <laughs> from the school's perspective. But um, I think you're right. I think people are resilient. I think children especially are resilient. And um, I think the way we channel it around them is also important, you know, how we talk about it and how we manage it in our lives. Uh, Dr. Hirsch, I really want to thank you for the work that you're doing as a doctor during these unprecedented times, for the volunteer, the tons of volunteer hours and time that you've given to Yeshiva Torah on our team, sending us the data, helping us answering our questions, and, and for joining us tonight on this podcast. Ms. Lieutenant, it's my pleasure. And, and I also want to say thank you to you and to Rabbi Menchel and to the, rest, to the rest of the Hartora administration, faculty and staff. It's been uh, a very difficult year, I'm sure, at Hartora. The, the little that I do know, um, <laughs> and you've done an amazing job. And I think that, um, 
you know, I agree. I mean, my kids are be over the moon being in school this year. And it's amazing that they've been at, managed to get, you know, this, this far through the year and please God may continue. Um, but I also think that it's, you know, and I think we talked about this a little bit earlier um, that, you know, people can disagree about how to, um, how to best manage the situation. And there's a lot of valid opinions. Um, but I think that Hartor has really kind of taken um, a lot of different opinions and sometimes very different opinions and really tried to figure out what works best for the, for the community and for the school. And it's really, it's really shown. So thank you. My pleasure. And, and like I told you uh, during one of our, our meetings with the medical team, uh, Rabbi Minchel and I cannot wait for the day that we can put uh, public health back into the hands of doctors alone and focus only on uh, and educating the children. So we look forward to that day as well. But it is our pleasure um, at every time in education, there's a different avodah. And our avodah right now to have children learning Torah and coming into school is to manage this to make sure everyone's safe and healthy. And um, for that, we are totally dedicated and honored to be part of that process. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hirsch. Thank you. Thank you.